Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here at the Hilltop. It has been a while since I've hopped on a podcast and actually aired anything. I was looking back at the feed and it seems like it's been, oh goodness, maybe about five or six weeks as of the recording of this since I posted anything. But even that information, it was a podcast series that I aired with my friend, uh, Adam Hicks, who is a pastor at Desperation Church uh, here, not too far from Birmingham. He is actually in Jasper. Uh, that whole series about emotional health, emotional wholeness, we recorded that, I think it was back in April. And now I'm sitting here, it is August. I have not recorded anything in about four months. Uh, I haven't gone completely dark. In fact, I've been working a whole lot. But I, But even in the last month, I really stepped back, took about 30 days off of just really the normal workflow in order to do some new projects. In fact, I had a friend. He is on my email list. He sent over a quick one-liner. And, and you really kind of need friends like this that just check in. This is a guy I knew from high school. We weren't even close in high school, but we've talked several times since then. And just kind of, you, you need people like this, regardless of where you live, regardless of what your profession is. This guy coaches hockey. Regardless of how well things are going, how much of a struggling season you're in, whatever, you need people who will do what he did. Just reached out, shot a one-liner. Hey, man, haven't received an email from you in uh, weeks. Everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. And that really kind of prompted me to think, man, I probably need to adjust at least like, hey, he's still here. You know, people were still buying books, still downloading resources, still taking the free assessment to find and fulfill your purpose, all of that. I'll put that information down in the show notes below. But here's what's been going on, all right? So here is kind of the 30,000-foot flyover in just a few, maybe 60 seconds to 120 seconds. Okay, so uh, first of all, I've been writing a book. That book, it's it's written. Uh, in fact, I'm going to pull it up. So step away from the mic. Here it is. The book is Stronger. Uh, that is Biblical Insights for Men on Masculinity and Spiritual Leadership. Uh, I'm on my way next weekend to speak at a church in North Carolina that asked some questions about this. Um, th- this is an area where, honestly, I feel like I- I've got a lot of wisdom and a lot of that wisdom is learned the hard way from failure. And uh, So, uh, really, you know, it's kind of different just having the information and it's different having the information and then having uh, the practical application. And so sometimes you get the application the easy way. Sometimes you get it the hard way. I really got it through both. So that book wrote it. That's done. Uh, second thing, as I've actually been helping a friend with a book, uh, that book is done. And that book releases, I think, in October. It's already been kind of circulating that out and getting some people to test it. It's really this workbook that's going to be used in small groups. So excited about that. Uh, I helped a friend, the same friend, with a website to launch that book. Uh, this is a pastor I worked with years ago. And so really knew his content well. And uh, he's got a great message. Excited for the release of that. Not saying what it is right now because I don't want to kind of let the cat out of the bag, you know, kind of let him do that while he's got people testing the material. Uh, I also uh, began co-authoring a book. 
during the past few months. So it is a book on moral injury. So uh, with Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture, you know, we've released a book on PTSD and emotional health. That was the Warrior Hope workbook and a video course. Uh, we have also written a book for families uh, and how to deal with reintegration after military service. Uh, and now there is a Bible study. There's three documentaries as well. One documentary is, uh, there's a documentary that kind of syncs up with each of those books, even though they were done in a different order. There's a documentary uh, from years ago, Invisible Scars, that's PTSD, a documentary on moral injury. That's Honoring the Code. There's a documentary that is coming out. And I've been talking about this on the Warrior Hope podcast that is uh, kind of titled roughly When Trauma Comes Home. So dealing with PTSD as a result of military deployment in the home. What what do you do? How do you navigate that? I, I'm super excited for that project. I've been co-authoring that book uh, with um, the founder of Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture, Bob Waldrop, who's a, who's a friend of mine, and I've really enjoyed uh, that process, uh, in large part because I think we have two totally different workflows, two different styles. Uh, he's very slow, intentional, methodical, and I'm kind of like, hey, let's just kind of get it all done. And so it's it's really, you know, having that counterweight has helped me. And I've learned so much from now. Uh, this will be the third book that I've co-authored with him. And that, that thing is actually coming out I think we're going to be circulating kind of pre-release copies in the next two weeks so we can get some feedback and make sure it's working. And this fall, that thing's going to go gangbusters. Uh, so we've been doing that. I have been redrafting uh, a book that is from a recovery course that I taught. Now, recovery, a lot of times think of that as an addiction. So you think of that as uh, drug, alcohol, chemical dependency of some sort. Uh, several years ago, about four years ago, I actually attended a Celebrate Recovery group, um, a large group, and then got into a smaller support group. And what I learned is about 75 to 80% of the people in that whole process don't deal with a chemical addiction at all. Uh, they deal with um, other hurts, other emotional wounds, other soul ties, other just working out healing in the process of moving forward. Uh, so I'm really excited about that information. In fact, I'm, I'm gonna teach you some of that information here uh, today um, because I'm, I'm knee deep into it. I guess it would be, it might be the other way around. It would be neck deep. When you're getting to the conclusion of a project, I, th I think you're probably ankle deep. Like you're starting to walk out of the water. You know, like, so I, I, I gotta figure out how that metaphor works, but uh, as part of the rewrite, I've actually gotten the opportunity to teach the material uh, to a large group of a couple hundred people, and that's been great to get feedback in real time because what you're writing, you really want people to apply and then live out. And so we're trying to take some really deep theological concepts, make them super simple to understand and to apply uh, so that people can transform from the inside out. Years ago, I worked in addiction, I worked in recovery, and I, you know, I got out to do business. And at some point, I always thought, you know, at some point I'm going to be back to that. I loved it. It was just the season of life I was in. I couldn't do everything we had going on with small kids in the house, with a growing business. And I always thought, you know, at some point I'll be back. But when I'm back, I don't want to just deal with the fruit. 
I, I really think the stuff people face, the alcoholism, the drug addictions, the prescription painkillers, which is just an epidemic now. I, I think the pornography addictions, the you insert the blank of, of the codependency, the all the other emotional wounds that we carry, those really are symptoms of a deeper internal issue. And so I thought if, if I'm ever back at it again, I will teach it just in a slightly different way. I, I don't think we got it all wrong before. We helped, helped a lot of people. But there's so much that you just learn, particularly when you step out of it. And then you're out for, uh, goodness, you know, seven years now. And you have opportunity to really take some of your old material. Uh, a, a group was going to use it. And uh, I, I told them, I said, hey, if you're going to use it, let me let me take another swipe at it. Let me not rewrite it. Let me just uh, maybe change 15 to 20% of it. Say it differently. Uh, put some pictures in it. Some, some of you know the books I have. I always put graphics and pictures in them because really those pictures show you about a thousand words. <laughs> That's what the saying says. And, and often you can remember the picture. You can remember the image better. So let me let me just take another shot at it. So I've been doing that and having the opportunity to teach it. Uh, that's been really good. Uh, and then, I don't even think that's all of it, but but my, my wife and I, we did kind of launch a new business where we're helping other people uh, get their message online, you know, and promote their message. This is just to some ministries that we know really well that we're intimately acquainted with. So kind of behind the scenes, been doing a lot of work on those things. And personally, flipping our house. I, I don't I don't mean flipping it like selling it. We're, we're not planning to go anywhere. I mean, goodness, like we live right down the street from the schools. We live right close to the interstate. I and mean, we, we live close to everything in the city, yet we've got acres of woods and trails. And, you know, it's we're kind of nestled in right here. I mean, flipping it like this. This year, uh, one of the boys uh, Noah, 18, decides, I'm at the age, I've graduated, I'm ready to move out. And it just so happened, one of his older sisters was moving back from L.A. to Birmingham. And so he had the opportunity to move in with her. And I thought, man, you know, that's a, that's a great opportunity for him. 18, he could have done it anyway, right? But if there was someone he could pick as a roommate, I, like I could not have picked a better one than his older sister, M. So uh, he's now out of the house. That frees up a bedroom. Uh, one of the other girls, uh, Anna, 18, decides she just graduated. So two graduates, you know, this May, um, walk the stage there at Bartow Arena down at UAB. So she is moving to the Auburn area, going to college. So that frees up another room. So we thought, you know, we've got this whole tiny house, we call it, with all these bedrooms that all these girls have been in, uh, and one of the older girls that was coming back and forth, like she's in her senior year. So when she finishes her senior year, now Emma, when she finishes her senior year, like she's not coming back. She's gonna move into her own place. Even if she comes back to town. And so we thought, you know what? We've just freed up one, two, three rooms. All right, boys out of the downstairs of the main house. Boys all go into the tiny house. So every room is now occupied in the tiny house. We'll move many. Uh, to the room, that's the nickname for Miriam, move her to the main house, put a living room down there for her. There's two extra guest rooms down there. So now everything just, that, that's, that's, that's where I've been. 
So been doing some great projects uh, that, that I, I feel great for, for myself um, to, to platform those and start promoting those this fall. Um, wrapped up all the life lift stuff. So you're about to hear a lot about life lift and purpose. Uh, I've also been helping some other guys platform their stuff. And so th this is going to be re really looking forward to this next season because I really feel like all the behind the scenes work is, well, it's never done, but most of it is done. And so now, now's the fun time when you get to start kind of walking it out and celebrating it and enjoying it. So uh, during that time, I just thought, you know, I, I can kind of take a little time off from doing my stuff, month of July, uh, take that time off, not send any emails, not record anything, not post any videos, kind of just take a break on social media for a little bit. People are on vacation, all that kind of stuff anyway. And while I'm doing that, I can just go all in with all these other things, uh, or I can kind of half do all of it. And so I just kind of said, pump my stuff, push it to the side, and get all of this stuff up and out. So to answer the question, is everything okay? Everything is rocking along fine, but we've just been doing some other stuff. Okay, so uh, that that's a massively long intro. All right, links to all that stuff, most of that stuff down in the show notes if you kind of want to chase the rabbit on any of that. Um, so anyway, take a look. Okay, so here's here's what I want to talk about today. I want to share with you some of the information that I taught this past Wednesday night at the, uh, let, let's just call it Freedom Recovery, because I think that's what we're going to title a book, Everything Freedom. Okay, so here we go. Here's the first topic that I led off with. This is from the intro of the book, Where You Are Isn't who you are. Okay, so let's just title the whole talk that where you are isn't who you are. And the main idea, really, if you want to wrap this one in, is incremental change. I've posted this before. Incremental change, a bunch of little transitions, a bunch of small steps over time done consistently creates exponential results. Here's where I get that. There is a story in the New Testament in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus calls Simon Peter to be a disciple. And this version, it really seems realistic as if it's something that you and I could do. So often we see these stories in the Bible and you think, well, I don't know if I could walk out on a field, sling a rock, and nail Goliath right between the two eyeballs. I don't know if I would have it in me like Daniel to just, okay, toss me into the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace, or, you know, even, even you thinking about walking with Moses through the Red Sea, all this stuff. Even when Jesus called the disciples, you know, you think, would I have it in me when this man from Galilee, a rabbi, a teacher whose own family members, Mark says, thought he was out of his mind. Uh, would I follow this guy and leave everything behind in the process of doing so if he gave me the magic invitation to follow him? Now, that's a, that's a really loaded question. All kinds of layers we could take on that. In Luke chapter 5, we do see this story that might suggest, hey, hey you might actually could. So here's the story, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. So it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. 
He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from the boats and were washing their nets. So a little commentary right here. When Jesus sees those boats, those boats are empty. Now, back in that culture, the fishermen who were doing is it a trade, they would generally fish in the evening. Okay, so when the sun goes down in the evening, it gets very cool outside, whereas when the sun's up, kind of in the Middle East, it's very hot. Uh, when the sun goes down, it's cool. The fish come up closer to the surface. It's quieter. That seems to be the time to drag the nets and catch the fish. So when Jesus is here, it's probably morning. It's the middle of the day. All the crowd's there. He's teaching. The crowd's following virtually everywhere he goes. These boats are on the shore, meaning the fishermen have just stopped working for the day. They're there. They're washing the nets. They're mending the nets, getting these ready, because what they're about to do is go home, sleep, or sell whatever fish they've caught, and then they're going to wake up and do it again tonight, this evening. So, work all night, sleep some of the day. You got to sell your stuff, but then work all night again and keep doing this grind. So Jesus walks up. He sees two empty boats. Okay. Verse three, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon. So that's Simon Peter, Simon Peter's boat. And then he asked him, so Simon walks up to the boat and Jesus says, hey, uh, why don't you put out a little from the land? And then Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from Simon's boat. So get the scene. Simon's washing his nets. He walks back up. Jesus is there in the boat. Stranger. Now, maybe he knew who Jesus was. Maybe he didn't. But then Jesus' first request is, hey, push this out from the shore so that I can teach this crowd. Now, that would have accomplished a couple things. Obviously, the crowd was pushing in on Jesus. Hey, let me down front. Let me get closer. There's nowhere else to go. So he's going to go into the water to create this little buffer. Uh, And if he does that in a boat the water would create this natural amplifier, like a microphone uh, with speakers that would carry his voice to where more people could clearly hear him. So he says, Simon, hey, uh, let me teach from inside your boat. Verse 4, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said to him, now this is completely logical. Master, We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, you you could think right there as well, uh, there's a crowd. uh, We're tired. We just wash the nets, insert all of this. You know, he doesn't really go into damage control. Emotionally inside, he might be swimming, but he takes Jesus at his word, even though this is not the time that you would think that you catch fish. When he had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat, who were obviously still on shore, uh, come and help. And they came. They filled both boats so that the boats, which are completely buoyant, by the way, the boats began to sink. They have caught nothing all night. Now, all of a sudden, the boats are overweight. They're struggling to get this on the shore. You can imagine, they're they're paying off debt. You can imagine, there's so much abundance here. They're probably helping people. You can imagine uh, the next thing that occurs, uh, Jesus is told by Simon, depart from me, I'm sinful. And then Jesus says a couple verses later, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men 
follow me is what happens here. Well, now Simon's got money to take care of his family while he follows in some sense, I think. Okay, so everybody here astonished. Luke says that in verse 9. Uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were there, partners with Simon. So it's probably Simon, uh, Peter, and Andrew, their brothers. James and John are brothers, maybe some other helpers. So when they brought their boats back to the land, verse 11, they forsook all and followed. Here's what I see right here, okay? We don't see one single big, abrupt, major change. What we see is a series of small changes incrementally over time, just like the main idea that I said. Okay, so five observations, five applications. Five observations, five quick applications. Observation number one, Jesus was already in Simon's boat. Remember, the boys who are fishermen, the men, they've gone away to mend the nets. And so when they walk back to the boats, Jesus is already there sitting in Simon's boat. Jesus is waiting on him. Luke is clear the boats were empty, the fishermen having just left them on the shore as they clean the nets. Right here, I want you to see this. Jesus didn't call Simon to do anything other than let him interrupt his day just a little bit. No following no action steps, nothing. Here's the application from the first observation. If you're wondering where God is in your situation, look around. He is already on the scene. I remember several years ago, uh, a pastor, when I was in seminary, he got up and he said, hey, hey, here's how, here's how we hear the voice of God. Okay, so we look up, we pay attention. Then God speaks. So get that. We pay attention, and then God speaks, and then we do what he says. Now, I, I get it. It was well-intended, and, and he actually gave an invitation to it. He said, hey, if, if, if anybody knows a better way or a different way, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. Now, email at the time was not as big and popular. In order to check your email, you had to go to the computer lab and check it. And so I just kind of pinned out a few thoughts sent it to him in the snail mail, never heard back from him. But remember, he said, we pay attention, God speaks, then we do what he says. I wrote him, I said, I think it's a little different. I think this, I think God is speaking and has been speaking, and sometimes we slow down enough and we tune into it, and then we do it. So, so he, he speaks first, he's already active on the front end, it's like radio waves. Right now, I'm in my office at the house, and there are radio waves going through this room. If I pulled out a radio and turned it on to a certain frequency, you would hear anything that is already moving through the room. The radio is already in my life. The waves are already here. If I tune in, I can hear them. You think about that. God is already here. Jesus was already in the boat. If we tune in, then we can hear him. Then we can do what he wants to do. He's already involved in our lives. I read something. A Jewish rabbi said this. Now, now Jewish rabbis, they have this way of really kind of just exploring the scripture and thinking and asking these questions about, well, what if? And, and they'll really kind of ruminate on some of the things. And, and they'll say, hey, we, we really don't know the answer. 
But let's just let's just at least not be afraid of asking the question. So one of them asked the question, uh, hey, when you walk up to the burning bush incident that you see in the book of Exodus, Moses is there and the bush, Moses is fascinated, the bush doesn't burn out. Like it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Like if I lit fire on some of the logs in my backyard that I need to burn, I've got a little burn pile. I've got like three burn piles. They're not little, they're big. If I lit that burn pile, any one of the three, they would burn and they would be consumed. But Moses draws in close because this bush is on fire, but it, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't smolder. It doesn't go away, which makes you think, how long is he looking at this bush before he realizes, hey, the, the bush is on fire, but it's not It's not changing. It's not getting any smaller. I mean, this is something you've really got to be paying attention to. Like he slows down, which then leads that Jewish rabbi to say, and I wish I knew who it was, but I, I guarantee you, I did not think of this concept. The, the rabbi asked the question, he says, Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years when he noticed that bush and walked in close to pay attention. What if the bush had been burning the entire time? What if, just, just what if, what if God was already on the scene? That's my observation here is it's the application. Wherever you are in your life, we, we do know that he's on the scene. Paul asked the question in Romans 8, where could you go from his presence? If you go to the high side, he's there. If you go to the depths, make your bed in Sheol is what they say. He's there. If, if you go into the future, he's there. Go into the past, ruminate on it. He's there. There's nowhere you can go from his presence. It's Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. If you're wondering where God is in your life, here's the application. He is already on the scene. Okay? Just look up. Look around, and there are stories all throughout the Bible about this. It even I hadn't even thought about this. Hagar, when she's put out by by Abraham, now Sarah says, "Get rid of her! Like kick the handmaiden out! Like at some point she can't see food, she can't see water. Her son, yeah, is Ishmael is going to starve." And an angel kind of just looks at her, and says, "Hey, look right there. Here's exactly the resource." that you need. Even in the wilderness, God was already on the scene. Okay, so observation number two. At that point, when Peter comes back and sees Jesus and he doesn't run Jesus off, okay, because that's what I'm saying. Like to get God out of your scene, you really got to run him off because he's already there. Jesus then asked Simon to push the boat out a bit from the shore. So Luke tells us a crowd gathered near Jesus while he was teaching. Apparently, they pushed him toward the shore. He needed to get into the water to create that buffer. And the water acted as an amplifier. It was a natural microphone to carry his voice across the crowd to a group of people. So Simon became an unknowing helper, kind of like a stagehand. As Jesus taught the crowd, here's the application. This was a small thing. I'm in your boat. Let's just push it out a little bit from the shore. I mean, you think about the grandeur of that. It's it's literally push the boat out a little bit from the shore. It, it is, hey, let me just interrupt your day just a little bit. Let, let me just, hey, pause what you're doing and do this thing with me. Okay, so the application is, now that you know that, 
many people are looking for the big and spiritual in order to see a supernatural breakthrough. Instead, simply start with what's already simple, what's already clear, what God has already told you clearly to do. You see, there's no way Simon would have known in that moment, hey, this is going to lead to something that's going to transform the rest of my life. This is going to lead to something that's going to be a three and a half year trek walking with the master of the universe, the creator of all things. This is going to lead to me seeing miracles happen such that by the book of Acts 5, wherever I walk, people situate people so that my shadow could fall on them. And he wasn't looking for notoriety in this, but where my shadow falls on them and they're healed. He had no way to know that he's going to write two books of the Bible later on, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, that he's going to be involved with all these high moments as the gospel literally starts spreading from Jerusalem all the way around the known world. He had no idea. It started with, hey, will you just put the boat out a little bit from the shore and let me interrupt your day? Again, don't look for the supernaturally huge. Just do the small thing God has said and has already been clear about. Here's observation number three. After that, Jesus asked Simon to move into the deeper water. So Jesus finishes teaching the crowd, uh, and then Jesus doesn't return to the shore to greet the crowds. He asks Simon to then take him into deeper water, and Simon agrees. It, it so happened, this was yet another small step that, again, in incremental change over time, exponential output. Another small step that creates a massive, huge change. Here's the application. Jesus often asks us to go deeper and to trust him in one area of life. Now, now what's that area? It's often an area that means a great deal to us so that we can see him move and know that he is trustable. So he may say, hey, trust me with this situation with your kid. Trust me with this situation of your job. Trust me with this breakthrough in your marriage. Entrust me with this financial issue that you need resolved. Entrust me with this career thing, this calling. Entrust me with all of the other things, the health, the whatever it is. And I, and I really think that there's no formula that you can create here. This is something specific to me, something specific to you that comes forth out of that relationship when you, first of all, let him stay in the boat because he's already in your situation and he's already looking for some small clear thing. And after that clear thing, all right, be prepared because more's coming. Okay, in this situation, observation number four, the more was, you don't just put out into the deeper waters, hey, let down the nets. Okay, and, and at this point, he was clear why he wanted him to let down those nets. Jesus said, hey, we're, we're going to do this for a catch of fish. Like, we're not just throwing the nets out, even though nobody throws the nets out during the day. We're throwing the nets out. We're about to have this huge haul. Remember, Simon had been fishing all night, hadn't caught a blasted thing. It's kind of an observation here. Okay, so this is kind of a free footnote. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, the only time you really see the disciples catching fish, it's when they're with Jesus. It makes you wonder how they got into the trade in the first place, which obviously they had the boat, they had the nest, they had all the equipment. So they were, they were obviously professionals, yet uh, compared to what he does with them, astronomically 
different. Now, now this whole thing about letting down the net in the day, again, was going to be very odd for two reasons. Uh, three reasons, actually. First, Luke tells us that when Jesus met Simon and the other fishermen in the beginning, they were washing their nets. Jesus jumped into an empty boat because they had gone to wash those nets. He's asking Simon when he says to let down the nets to undo something that he's already done. Uh, nothing is more frustrating than that, isn't it? You just clean the room, you clean the kitchen, your kids walk in, and it's like a freaking tornado comes in, like a, a hurricane. You wash their clothes, they walk out, they put on the good clothes, not knowing they got something good they got to go to, like a wedding or whatever, and then you got to rewash. Here Jesus is asking him to undo something he's already done, so that would make it odd. Number two, it's daytime. The fishermen knew the best time to catch the fish was at night, these men had likely worked through the entire night, so they're they're tired. There's a crowd there. That, that would kind of be the third reason this would be crazy. There, there's a crowd there that would be scaring all these fish away. Uh, Jesus had just preached. Jesus had just propelled his own voice across that sea. So we've got all of these reasons stacking up why this might not be a good idea. Here is the application for me, the application for you. Jesus often asks us to trust him to do something which enables him to perform a miracle. Yes, the word miracle. Something unexpected. Something that defies logic, that defies your human capacity to simply understand it. I mean, we look back and might go, oh, that was coincidence, what, whatever. In those moments, he demonstrates his supernatural presence. You know he's with you. But sometimes... This requires us to make space for the sacred, let the nets down, amidst the ordinary. Hey, it's not the time to let the nets down. In other words, uh, it often defies logic. Uh, it makes sense because you've been walking with him. And, and sometimes I would say, hey, you know, this might be a great time where you get some of your accountability people in, you get people that know you, that trust you. Hey, I'm really feeling like I need to do this. I'm really feeling like I need to, you know, and then hey, that's boom. The thing for you. That's the breakthrough. Observation number five then is follow me. The men, Simon and the others, caught so many fish that the nets began to break. They have to get a second boat. And at that point, Simon is overwhelmed. He's like, hey, Jesus, you got to leave. I'm sinful. You're righteous. And Jesus says, hey, wait, wait, hold on. This will be important for somebody listening. Your sin is not an issue that keeps God distance from you. That's why he came. All throughout the New Testament, we see that he's continually pushing away the, quote, religious righteous people and pursuing people caught in the middle of something big and sinful and morally reprehensible. Let's just be honest and say it clearly. Jesus tells him not to be afraid, though. Follow. And then he's going to repeat that same process, incremental change in other areas of his life, thereby reaping more miraculous results for the benefit of him and for others. Okay, here's the application right there. Granting God access to move in every area of life, every area. Okay, so and, and I realize, like I'm saying that to myself, uh, you point one finger out, there's one, two, there's not four pointing back at you. There's three. The thumb's kind of up in midair, so point a finger at somebody else, three, pointing back at you. Granting God access to move in every area of life is the only logical conclusion once we've seen what he can do. All right, so that, that that's the story. And notice this. A lot happened over the span of 11 verses, but but did you, did you catch this? 
It's a little bit different than how we generally think the follow me stories in the Bible happen. There, there's five incremental steps. Okay, so in, hey, I'm already here. Just let me stay. That's what Jesus says. Out, let's move out away from the shore together. Deeper, hey, let's let's go to the deeper water. Let's go a little bit farther. He's still not asking him to do anything like that cost him anything other than a little bit of time. And then the fourth one is more. Hey, uh, t- take a little bit of direction from me. Even if it doesn't make complete sense, let the nets down. Okay, do, do whatever he tells you to do. It may be different for you. And then five, all. Walk with me some more. F- follow me. Like that is the natural overflow of everything that's going on in the story. Okay, and again, incremental change over time is exponential. It, it means... If you'll take the small steps, continue walking through the small steps, doing the thing, what's the starting point that God has already clearly told you to do, and then just go from there. Just move forward from that moment. Do you see it? Oh, goodness. I got so much more I could share. I'll do it in another episode. I've already been going 37 minutes because I gave you the 10-minute intro. So here's the prayer for you today is my my prayer is the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. He'd be gracious to you that you would see his face of favor shining about you and that you would realize that he is already in the situation in which you're hoping and needing him to move the most. He is already there. All you need to do is let him stay. So may you allow him to stay. May you see his presence and may you walk in that thing that he has already clearly said to do, knowing that as you act on the thing that is clear, he will give you deeper and more until the point where you are. He is all in. You see it? Grace, peace. I'll see you again very soon.